The second album review for today's episode of Album Club 500 contains multiple mentions of the suicide of Kurt Cobain, as well as multiple mentions of suicidal ideation, and a digression on mental illness. Listener discretion is advised before continuing. Welcome back to Album Club 500, the show where we review the Rolling Stone Magazine's top 500 albums of all time. I am the nothing man, Jacob Schatz. And I am the power of water and heart, 27. Go planet. And by our powers combined. <laughs> we have a show. <laughs> that, yeah, that's it. That's what we... <laughs> Today we are reviewing That's the Way of the World by Earth, Wind, and Fire and Vitalogy by Pearl Jam. Two really exciting records today. Really very different. Very different from each other, yes. Yeah. But both, I think, pretty solid mainstays of their respective genres, being funk and R&B for Earth, Wind, and Fire, and basically, like, the inheritors of rock for Pearl Jam. I like, I liked, when you said funk and R&B, I was imagining, like, fucking R&B. <laughs> <laughs> Which I guess, that works. But... <laughs> Jeez, I didn't know you felt so strongly about it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I, I have a pretty good reason for these two albums th- to be connected. Ooh, please tell me, because I got no clue. Yeah, it's uh, and, and I came up with this really, really easily, actually. Both of these artists, are um, their namesake, have been used as stands in JoJo Part 4. Amazing. <laughs> I... I'm uh, so glad that you, you're bringing out the anime references in minute one of the podcast <laughs> today. Yes. Mikitaka, the alien, his stand was never named in canon, but Word of God says that it's called Earth, Wind, and Fire. <laughs> and of course, uh, Tonio, the chef, his stand is called Pearl Jam. Not to be confused with Pole Jam, as it's called in the official English subtitles. Which is just but... muddling this whole thing, but I, I believe it. <laughs> Yeah, so these these two artists are great. You are a, were a big fan of Pearl Jam already. Yes. And I was pretty much a fan of Earth, Wind, and Fire already, although I'm not super familiar with most of their work. And this is the first time that we are reviewing an album that you have heard before that I have not. And I'm so excited because for once on this fucking <laughs> show, I'll actually know what I'm talking about. Exactly. The first time for everything. <laughs> for the Earth, Wind, and Fire one, I was uh, familiar with some of the songs. I had never heard a full Earth, Wind, and Fire record before, so this was exciting and fun and awesome. So, yeah, let's talk about That's the Way of the World, 1975's Earth, Wind, and Fire. Let's... So, Earth, Wind, and Fire is a 70s, 80s funk, soul, R&B, funk, soul brother band. (laughs) Very, very renowned. Many platinum, triple platinum, etc. selling records. This being, what, platinum times five? Yeah, something like that. I didn't look it up, but I believe it because... Triple, yeah, triple platinum. There you go. These guys produce some of the best music, basically, of the 70s and kind of ever. They just have just an amazing, really tight production and sound. Yep. All their compositions tend to be extravagant and, like, shining, fun, sometimes really elaborate, even. Yeah, there's some swooping orchestral bits on this album that were really fun. And the vocal arrangements tend to have layered, thick harmonies, lots of, like, back and forth 
call and response vocals. Really interesting chord structures in these harmonies, too. Oh, my God. It's crazy. And they also have multiple lead vocalists. There is Maurice White, the band leader and lead vocalist for most of the tracks. And then there's also Philip Bailey, who sings lead vocals on some of the other tracks and also does backup vocals. And they kind of share lead vocals on the first track, Shining Star. Then there's also Maurice White's younger brother, Verdine White, who sings vocals as well. I think he is pretty much relegated to backup vocals, though. Yeah, he also plays the bass for the band. Yeah, yeah, he's also the bassist, of course. Great bassist, also. Really good. Lots of really fun, elaborate bass lines on these songs. Like, everyone in this band, like, really knows what they're doing. Like, there's there's so much to look at and so much to hear. So much to do, so much to see. <laughs> yeah, and then there's, there's, like, piano and organ on this thing. There's guitar, of course. Horns, the horns. all over the place. Oh, <laughs> you know that I'm gonna go crazy about the horns, but there are some moments that are just so, so good on this. Oh, yes. And there are nine principal members of this band. And then, like, if you were taking a very small snapshot of the band because so many members rotate out and Maurice White, Verdine White, and Philip Bailey are some of the more consistent members. Yes. Verdine is now the only surviving original member of the band and Philip Bailey got on really early and has stayed with the band for quite a while. Everybody else has just sort of been rushing through and you can kind it, it makes this whole album feel really special because you realize that it's just a snapshot. This isn't a group of people that has been working together forever. There are some core members, but a lot of the band is just sort of staying for a while, having their peace, and then they don't stay with the band for the rest of the band's run. They they move on. Mm. So it really feels special yeah. when you get some amazing productions and amazing compositions like this. Yeah, definitely. And this is something really special. Like, this feels like something that just everyone should hear, I think. At, at least the singles. Like, I think everyone should hear, like, That's the Way of the World and Shining Star, probably. Yeah. Or, like, on their other albums, there's songs like September, you know, uh, In the Stone. Yeah, if there's one word that I'd use to describe Earth, Wind, and Fire, it's accessible. And I don't mean that in, like, a talking down yeah. kind of way. Because there's some music that's built exclusively to be accessible. Like, you're supposed to kind of imprint yourself on the music and then... But at its core, it doesn't mean a whole lot. With Earth, Wind, and Fire, you've got these really elaborate, well-structured compositions that somehow feel pretty much universally good. Yeah, I'd say so. And and th- there is a lot of soul influence on this as well, so everything kind of feels really warm, I'd say, yeah. and, and uplifting sometimes. Definitely. Like, even the, even the softest and quietest tracks on this have this this lightness, this airiness to them. They're relaxing. Yeah. So if we can get into the track by track here. Let's do. We have our first track, Shining Star, which is not actually a song I knew already, surprisingly. Really? But, or I mean, uh, it wouldn't have been, except I heard it on the radio like a while ago, like a couple months oh, ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and I was like, who is this? This is amazing. <laughs> and I, I like shazammed it and it was Earth, Wind, and Fire. I'm like, hot damn. Wow. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know why I said it's not one that I knew, because I guess I totally did know it as as of the time of well, no, 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 <laughs> listening like, to the album. That's that's fine, because that's still like relatively recent that you heard it. I've heard this song yeah. like, a, like a dozen times at least, just over the years. Because this is, this is like a radio <laughs> staple. Yeah, it's weird, right? Like... There's just, like, some songs that you can just miss yeah. for some reason. It's it's fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny, actually, because this is the only song that I knew off of this album beforehand. Oh, you didn't know that's the way of the no, world? No, no. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, that's that's funny. 
because uh, because i've heard that's the way of the world like a million times wow um, oh that's cool and plus there's the fact that in school uh i played in the jazz band and we had a, a an earth wind and fire medley that we had oh, arranged cool. for us that we played and it had september that's the way of the world and in the stone was the other one <laughs> it may not have been but i'm just gonna go with it because like can't remember for sure at any rate the first track is shining star and shining star is the shortest track on the album and it's a really like start strong opener because it it's, oh, yeah. it's super tight super groovy it stays for exactly long as it needs to and then it's out it's done yeah and it's very much a pretty straightforward funk tune mm-hmm. And it's got, you know, it's got those those funk uh, vocal melodies, you know, when you wish upon a star. Yeah. You know? oh. It's like that that kind of thing. It. There's also the great part where uh, Maurice White does like his like, make your body big and strong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you get a sense that these guys just love what they're doing from the very first track. And you, you get even more of that as you stick on. But like, this this is a really good way to just... Let you know that the party is on when you turn on this album. Yeah. <laughs> There's a, like, the, the chorus is great. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, you're, you're a shining star no matter who you are. And I really like the end of the song where... Yeah, oh my god, I wish this went on for, like, five more minutes. <laughs> yeah, seriously. They, they, they basically drop out all the instruments and just do the, the, the lines um, in vocal harmony alone. Shining star for you to see what your life can truly, truly be. be. And they do that without any of the instruments. Yeah, it's great. It feels so good. <laughs> and, it, and it goes right into That's the Way of the World, which is a change of pace into a slower tune. Sensitive, kind of slow. It's not a slow jam, because that's a specific thing, yeah. a slow jam. Um, that would be like Reasons, um, or All About Love. This song is kind of a really nice, warm soul tune. Starts out with a really nice organ, electric organ, and uh, I guess it'd be electric piano, but I don't know. <laughs> a keyed instrument. Yeah, there's, I think there's a little bit of synthesizers on this, but I don't know if that's yeah. exactly what it is. There's some synth work throughout most of the album that's pretty subtle. Until the like few moments near the end where it just is not, but like... <laughs> it, it's really yeah. fun and you can that's i think that's the only thing that ends up dating this album but we'll get to that but yeah that's the way the world is i i wrote down as i was listening to it like i am flying in the first 30 seconds and then anytime a line comes in like some vocalizations come in it just sort of like speeds me up or breezes me a little bit along or like like i feel like i'm a, a leaf tumbling while i listen to this song oh. like where other stuff would get like I don't know, throwing me off or something like that. This just sort of like hits me, and then I'm flipping around and just sort of tumbling and falling, and it it's just so like relaxing and soothing and nice. That's beautiful, man. Yeah, this song has a really iconic intro with the the horn lines going like boo do 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 and it's. Super good. Then when the vocals come in, it's it's a little bit goofy at first almost, <laughs> but it, it's it's really good. It's this falsetto like Hot Fire Creates Love Desire and it's like yeah, that kind yeah. of thing. And then when, when Maurice White's lead vocals come in, it, it God gets really damn good. it, I miss Maurice White. Yeah. Like twenty sixteen being the year that just couldn't not 
fucking took Maurice White from us, <laughs> among all the other artists. And this album is really selling to me why that was a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad thing. Yeah, yeah, he was he was even one of the like understated deaths of that year. I feel um, because there was a lot overshadowing. Oh, I mean, you get else, like but... really like heavy pop stars like where they their personality and their identity was at the forefront of the work that they were doing but maurice white he's he's there to like sing he might be the creative force behind the band and he might be even the front man on occasion but it was never really about him with the group yeah i feel like earth wind and fire is more about the unit and even the songs are about the fact that you can't go it alone I mean, if we look at the lyrics in this song, that's the way of the world. It's a that the way of the world is. It's gonna try and push you back down, and the only way you can overcome it is by getting in touch with other people and you know syncing up. Yeah, and that's interesting. I I have a a little snippet of Robert Criscow's review, which I didn't like go and look it up this time. It just happened to be on the Wikipedia mm, yep. page, <laughs> and. Uh, it, this, this is where Robert Criscow makes absolutely no sense to me. Like, <laughs> okay. Because he... Re- the dude reviewed, like, thousands of, sure. of albums, and uh, some of them are, are going to be weird. But <laughs> I don't know why they they needed to put this snippet in the Wikipedia article, but uh, he said, This unit can do so many things that it qualifies as the one-man band of black music, even though it has nine members. What does that mean? <laughs> I, I think the idea is that you can't separate the group and still be able to, to pick out talent. Like, Earth, Wind, and Fire doesn't work unless it's Earth, Wind, and Fire together. But then when they're all together, they can do basically anything. And they do basically anything yeah. on this album, which is nice. That's the way the world, I have to say, also has, like, this part where the vocal harmonies, like, change. And, like, the chord structure shifts around into, like, these weird, like, cluster chords and... Mm. Oh man, it's super good. Because it sounds wrong at first until you realize that it's so very right. Ah, I love that. So next track is Happy Feeling, which is a really it's another shorter one. <laughs> it's just like it's just like a another funk jam. And it's got like a, the sweet horn parts. It's like you know. <laughs> um, yeah, this sort of gets us into the rhythm of what this album is going to have, which is a short song, and then a longer song is sort of an exhale, and then a shorter song to get you back up to tempo. And it, it sort of falls, it doesn't fall apart, but it, it doesn't follow this pattern quite exactly later on. But this is definitely an upswing back into the more, hey, we just had a kind of long, relatively slow, or otherwise less energetic song. Let's let's wake you back up. <laughs> yeah, it works for that. It's it, The song isn't like anything like super special, but it's super good. Because it's, you know, Earth, Wind, and Fire doing it. <laughs> right, yeah. I also really like there's some percussion that I can't quite place exactly what it is. It's like a xylophone or a marimba. Yeah, some some mallet instrument is the name of that family. I love those. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's doing like a... Yeah. It's a cooler sound, but it's still infusing energy into the piece, and I like it. Yeah, this is a, it's a pretty simple one. I, I really like the, the soul vocals on this is like (laughs) some more of that bad vocals (laughs) but it's very good on the actual album trust me (laughs) i I mean it's better than what i can do (laughs) track four all about love it's not is, is an actual slow jam yeah 
This one has a lot of spoken word from Maurice White. That's really kind of fun. You know, he's like, I, I forget what kind of stuff he says, but he's 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 talking to the listener, like having like a conversation with them. Yeah, and actually he, so I, I love the spoken word on this one because he very nearly loses me with some of the, the new age hippie shit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, let, let me be clear. I'm as, I'm as progressive and liberal as anybody's going to get, but like, as there, there's some... <laughs> <laughs> probably not anyone anyone but like, pretty close <laughs> but there's some stuff about like when hippie subculture is used improperly where it's like this is this is just nothing you're not saying anything mm. yeah true like the, the, there's a subset of hippie culture that's just like let's just do nothing and i'm like no maybe <laughs> don't <laughs> And so, especially a lot of the more material stuff, like, as Maurice White mentions, astrology. Uh, And this is actually kind of a cool segue, because uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire, the name of the band is actually derived from Maurice White's astrological star sign, which is like, oh, hey, that's, I mean, that's kind of cute. Yeah. And he, he mentions in this song that the band and the members of the band and himself specifically sort of take value from these mysticism occultism what he calls world religion and he specifically mentions astrology yeah and with that i'm like okay what are you gonna what are you gonna dig up for this one and he says that what it's about is figuring out who you are not specifically like like what the world or what the universe has planned for you or you know making up stuff it's figuring out what you want and who you are as a person so that you can interpret that and then grow from that specifically and i'm like yeah 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 <laughs> yeah that, yeah that's pretty good i think he says something like uh they, they give you an insight to your inner self right yeah and... he says there's an outer self that's like the person that you create when you're trying to interact with other people and then there's the inner self that you have to come to terms with and i'm like yeah that's that's pretty yeah, true fuck yeah yeah I, and i i just love the the vibe in general, of the spoken word, regardless of content, even it's just it's just cool. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a super like conversational tone, and it's not talking down to you. It's it's like it's like if a friend were to sit you down and be like, okay, so I know that you've been like sweating stuff recently. What's up? What's going on? How can I help? Hmm. And it's like you're doing this in the middle of a song that like also sounds kind of like the the description that I put in my notes was that it it sounds like a like a a disney slow orchestral song about fucking yeah it sounds like it sounds like there's some, some fucking uh <laughs> kind of yeah, like yeah like some marvin gay kind of yeah it's not the most song about fucking that's on this album because we'll get to that oh yeah but like there's a there's a little bit of like you know really getting to know each other <laughs> it's like all right, all right maurice white and i feel like earth wind and fire is never the kind of band to make that super explicit either so yeah they, they do keep and also it. they don't they don't make light of it yeah is, is the other thing it's not like a joke and it's not like a there, there's another song that's that's later on in this where it's like it's not something just to be taken lightly and that's that's pretty cool yeah for sure i i feel like earthman and fire really has like this like brand like like they have they have like a an idea of what earthman and fire should always be you know mm-hmm. like they they never go like too goofy or too sexual you know they're always like right in this comfy spot and there's a there's a sense of sincerity yeah yeah every, i think they they probably set up like rules you know like oh d- yeah i mean the the entire ethos of the band seems to be about coming together as 
equal people and learning about each other and using that to strengthen each other. Yes. And like, there, there's so much respect that's put into all of this that it's it's really heartening to see. Because that's, that's another thing that I'm not super big on with, with some of the more like slapdash versions of the hippie ethos. Yeah. Where it's like, nothing matters. <laughs> and it's like, that's how you end up hurting people that you care about. Good job, dickwad. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Earth, Wind, and Fire is so much about communication and mutual understanding and respect. And it's like, I'm so glad that you guys also sound amazing. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because, like, <laughs> the two of these, to like, I'd take either of these, but I'm so glad that you got both of this right. Yeah, no, they did it. They done did it. I would love to start listening to some of their other albums, because I could definitely see myself uh, making Earth, Wind, and Fire just, like, a staple of what I listen to. Just hell start yeah. getting into, like, all their albums. Like, hell yeah. Definitely. <laughs> So, also, on All About Love, there's a bloopin' ass outro that we yeah, have to talk about. Yeah, I forgot about the bloopin'. Like, <laughs> you get through this whole really good song, and then it also pretty good, but vastly different outro just shows up at the yeah, end. it's weird. With the synthesizer just, like, going nuts. It's like, kind of like a jazzy like, little bloopy thing. <laughs> yeah. And, and now, like, this song didn't need to have that outro tacked onto it. Without it, it's still like a five five and a half minute song it's just yeah. now it's a it's a six plus minute song with it <laughs> yeah that's that's weird like they didn't really need it but i mean you can just put things at the end or beginning of a song <laughs> like you could just do that yeah <laughs> and, and also this is the fourth track on the album and it's the last song of side one it is. so it's also got like yes hey hey you need to flip but if you don't flip right away you can have this neat little cookie that i've left for you there you go <laughs> so the first track on side two track five yearning learning we got another <laughs> upbeat tempo funk track um another pretty simple one that's also very good i love the keys that open this song yeah there's, like, there's some like really some... sick lone piano stuff that just that just crashes open it and then all the other pieces of the band rush up to meet the keys and it's like oh that's good yeah i really love that piano intro it's Really soulful, kind of like bouncy. This is also the track that sort of shows its its proto disco stuff. This is right near the beginning of the disco phase, I think. Yeah. And Earth, Wind, and Fire's stuff later on gets a a lot more disco, but this also has that sort of prototypical beats and the the guitar bits that are like. Yeah, there's a lot of waka jockas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I can see that, and there's also a lot of hornage going on in this one <laughs> if i could use the proper terminology <laughs> right yeah <laughs> i was like is this the horniest song in the no this isn't the horniest song in the album. uh no it's got a lot of brass hornage <laughs> yes no i i figured that out but also like had to double check <laughs> uh yeah and this one is just a fun funky fun song and like the back ha the back half of the song just sort of devolves there's not it, it's mostly just like improv vocalizations by the end of it and you're like yeah. that's fine yeah it's, it's so good it's fine not one of the, like the strongest tracks but it's very good there, there's no yeah. there like it would be really hard to actually pick out like a weakest track on this album yeah i think, I think earth wind and fire is just too good yeah <laughs> like i don't think if they had a weak track i feel like it would be either reworked or like removed because there's yeah. only eight tracks on this and it's only 38 minutes long mm -hmm. and all of it just sort of works oh yeah definitely 
Because I would say that, like, Yearnin' Learnin' or, like, Happy Feelin' might be the weaker tracks, but that's not necessarily true. They're only simpler tracks. Like, they don't have yeah. quite as much to them, but that doesn't make them any worse, you know? Like, they're still really fun to listen to. And simpler for Earth, Wind, and Fire is, like... Oh, yeah. It... <laughs> the, it's, it's like, the, the art song for most other bands, so... <laughs> yeah, there's still lots of stuff going on there. But they're just, like, fun, danceable songs, and there's not a whole lot more to them, I feel. Yeah, this is this is kind of what I meant with the, the inhale-exhale thing. Yeah. Even the, the lighter tracks, the fluffier tracks on the album, they're there for a reason, and it's because everything else is a lot more on the, the respect and the the intense emotional relationships bits and speaking of being there for a reason the next track is called reasons i can't believe you've done this to me on my very own radio talk show (laughs) uh oh my god reasons is one of the other singles from this album for good reason it is the i'd say it's like the slow jam i mean all about love is a slow jam this is like the centerpiece slow jam of the album Right, and this this is where I figured out this is the song that's about fucking. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> At least it invokes <laughs> the mood. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's also it's also about that. Like, there's a there's a little bit of a storyline in here about a guy who is sleeping with someone and trying to figure out if this is like a real connection or not. And he's struggling to uh. find the reasons why they've done this, and he's trying, but there's so much. Like, there's stuff getting in the way from having this relationship that's getting in the way of figuring out what this relationship is. Oh, yeah, And it's like, oh my god, this is, wow! Yeah, that's legit. And Oh my god. Just musically, this song is really nice. It's a little, it's a lot more minimal than a lot of the other tracks on here, and really puts Philip Bailey's vocals at the forefront. Yes! Oh my god, Philip Bailey's falsetto is everything in this world <laughs> yeah like we're holy crap we were saying before we started that uh we originally like upon hearing this thought that the vocalist was female uh but it's just philip bailey doing a very very well executed falsetto and he just oh nails the fuck out of it like it's so <laughs> clean and even and like perfect and it gets into octaves that i'm not quite sure i knew existed before this album (laughs) and it's really really good yeah uh philip bailey has a four octave range he holy crap yeah he's extremely good this this album like this song even uses a lot of it one of the highlights yeah there's just so much emotion going every which way because if you dig into the lyrics and i do implore you too because this is the most like intensely storytelling and personalized storytelling song on the album right there's it's it's got bits and pieces of celebration of what they have but also in the context of but i'm not really sure what that is and that is a remarkably complex emotion to break down and yet you get all of it from his vocalizations from his singing voice and like holy crap this is a good track (laughs) yeah it really is falsetto so so strong Uh. so then we got our second to last track africano which starts with a cool like flutes thing yeah a very woodwind intro which is stuff that we kind of heard incidentally but wasn't really on anything like not featured on anything else on this album yeah And, and this track itself is um 
very much celebrating African music, I feel. Um, mm-hmm. There's influence of Afrobeat and just like traditional African rhythms and stuff like that. And it's also just a jazz song. This is an instrumental and there's lots of bongos, congas, you know, tribal sorts of traditional drumming. And it builds in a lot of breaks for different instruments to come and take the forefront. Like, I would not be surprised if I went to any other Earth, Wind & Fire album and there was a song like this. Oh, I, to I just hope let there each is. member of the band <laughs> have have their everybody who's dedicated to a particular instrument just have their minute in the spotlight because yeah. oh my god, it's really good when you have a nine piece band and everybody's really talented at what they do, and you give everybody a space to have that moment of like, hey, check this out, <laughs> and this song does that to a T. Now the problem I have with this song, and this is like my biggest gripe on the whole album is that it is five minutes and nine seconds long and not 15 minutes long. (laughs) (laughs) Because this actually does have a really infuriating fade out. Like, in the middle of the sax solo. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's like, fuck you. (laughs) This song just stops and I go, no, come back, no. And it's not a lot of times that a five minute song can make me do that. (laughs) I feel like maybe that's their ploy to sell uh, live show tickets. <laughs> oh, maybe. that's a good strategy. Because <laughs> I would, were I in the 70s, I would be out there buying tickets. Absolutely. Fast. Absolutely. Yeah. Like they, they really blue ball you on this one. But what <laughs> they do give you is very good. And what's also very good is the last track, See the Light, which is uh, more of a. A non-secular track here for once. Oh, yeah. This one weirded me out because this, like, for a band that claims to be into all sorts of world religion and mysticism and occultism and that sort of thing, this is is like a straight-up Christian anthem. Yeah, this is is a God-ass God song right here. Yeah, Uh, it is. (laughs) It's like, I, I mean, it's, again, the good half of that where it's like, hey, love each other and do good. Oh, but yeah. also, like, it's pretty explicitly referencing the Lord and how, how you're deriving strength from him. And it's like, you're earth, wind, and fire. You can do it. I'm absolutely not complaining. Yeah. <laughs> no, this this song is great. So it, it starts with this Latin beat, which is really cool. And, like, these cool, like, kind of tense chords. And, and eventually all that, like, after the first verse, just breaks. And it just busts into this like gospel vocal that's like help them see the light and uh, then the music totally changes to more of a soul and gospel style and it's fucking amazing (laughs) (laughs) philip bailey again is doing the lead vocals on this one as well Uh, and goddamn (laughs) (laughs) he's he's just so good Maurice White is also very, very good as a lead vocalist, don't get me wrong, but oh, yeah, also yeah. Philip Bailey is, like, inhuman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I can't personally relate to the subject matter of this song, but I just feel it anyway. Like, it's, yeah. it's like, really, oh, just the, the, the energy in it and just the love in, in everything about this track. It's just there. I wish I had more about this one, but that's pretty much it. Yeah, like, it's 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 just really solid, really uplifting, and a hell of a note to close the album on because it's so like you're walking away from this, and it it feels like a like a benediction from church, which is you know <laughs> go forth, do good, don't don't fuck up in the eyes of the Lord, and yeah, be good to people. Oh, yeah, it's a good message, and and this must have 
reached a ton of people. I mean, triple platinum. Oh, yeah. Like, that's... Right. Oof. And there's also a, a cool little breakdown outro on this one. It's not as ornate, I guess, as the... Or as... It wasn't as memorable to me as the, the boopin' synthesizer one <laughs> from earlier. Yeah. But uh, it was there, and it was, it was cool. And I like that they have that sort of mirroring as the, the end on both sides. Yes. And, yeah, that'll... <laughs> that'll about do it for that's the way of the world um i'm really glad i got to listen to this thing and i'll definitely be yeah. listening to do we have other earth wind and fire albums on our list i feel we like, must i feel like we, we must. have to we have to like especially when this is this low down on the list right i'm really surprised that this is this low down on the list because there's nothing wrong with it yeah <laughs> like i mean not to say that the other albums that we've reviewed that are this far down on the list are like glaringly bad but this doesn't feel niche. It doesn't feel like there's some problems with the production. It doesn't feel like there's some hang-ups about the songwriting or the personnel on this album. Like, this feels like a one-digit for this list. <laughs> yeah, this is I, I, like super a, tight. Like a two at most. I feel, yeah, I feel like at least top top 100, right? Like, yeah. it's, it's got... And, and, and there's actually... This is the only Earth, Wind, and Fire album on the list. Which is ridiculous, what? to be honest. This isn't even their only triple platinum selling album. All right, so this pretty much confirms that at some point we're gonna have to make a B sides podcast. Oh fuck yes! For for stuff that just doesn't get on the list but should absolutely be on the list. Yeah, there's we got lots of stuff for that. Because <laughs> I mean, I mean, our list has like some, it, it has uh, a a big metal deficiency. And I'm now suddenly learning a big Earth, Wind, and Fire deficiency. Yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> big, big, uh, big lack of prog rock too, I noticed. Yeah. Well, that's, that at least is like a little bit of a tougher sell in some circles, especially like the popular music Fucking circles. Trout Mask Replica by Captain Beefheart is on this list. All right. 16. Yeah. There's no excuse. I don't, I don't care anymore. That's, that's messed up. Yeah. Come on. Uh, no. Yes. No rush. Uh, oh, no, no. King you're Crimson. Saying, you're just <laughs> saying words that hurt me now. You're saying words that personally victimize me, Jacob Schatz. Co-host of Album Club 500. King Crimson, man. No, I, I know that you're right, but I can't change the list. I, <laughs> yeah, this yeah, is, yeah. Okay, this is, this is the beginning of a villain origin story where I go and attempt to work for the Rolling Stone magazine <laughs> so that 10 years from now when we put out a new version of the list, I can fix all the mistakes <laughs> that were in it. Get, get Kiss out of here. <laughs> <laughs> there are two Kiss albums on this list. Let's fucking... Let's clean this up. There's one Earth. There are more Kiss clean albums up the on streets. this list. Uh, there are more Kiss tracks in one of the albums on this <laughs> on this list than there are Earth, Wind, and Fire tracks on the entire list. <laughs> yeah, no, travesty. It's messed up. Messed up. That's the way of the world is an extremely good album. I recommend it to anybody who can hear music. Yeah, pretty much. Black Excellence. Just good R&B, funk, soul, brother. Check it out now. Now. <laughs> now. Now. Check Go. it out what now, funk, soul, brother. <laughs> I'm gonna... And when you get back from listening to that album, you can come and join us because we'll be reviewing Vitalogy by Pearl Jam. After the break. Hey 
guys, just another warning for you during this interlude that the second review for today contains multiple mentions to the suicide of Kurt Cobain, as well as suicidal ideation, and near the end, the last track gets into reference of mental illness and potential suicide relating to mental illness. Listener discretion is advised, so please keep that in mind before you continue on. Once again, thank you for listening to Album Club 500. For the second half of today's episode, we will be reviewing Vitalogy by Pearl Jam, which is the first album on this list that I've heard back to front, and you haven't! Yeah, yeah, isn't it? And and it's, uh, is it the first album you've heard previously? It is the first album that I have heard in its entirety previously. Right. I've heard singles off of some of them, I've even heard a lot of some of the albums that we've heard before, but nothing in its, in its entirety. Apparently only... Trace Ombres and She's So Unusual. Have you heard tracks from? All right, so then I've lied. I've heard. Well, I've heard a quarter oh, and, of. And that's She's the way so of the world. And yes. That's the way of the world. Yes, because of Shining Star. But this one, this one, I've heard all the way through, and it's. I mean, I I liked it. Like it wasn't one of my favorites, but I had. But I heard it all the way through before. <laughs> yeah, I have listened. To Pearl Jam's first two albums, Versus and Ten, uh, a lot when I was younger because like those albums are just things that you you just listen to. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you hear those, and I never listened to this one, which is weird. But uh, I'm glad I did. Admittedly, it's not like a staple. I mean, it's good, and weirdly enough, it set like a record for most albums shipped in a set period of time. Yeah, it was like the first week. Yeah, and then that wasn't broken until the White's, or I think it was Jack White's album. It wasn't yeah, even a White's album. in 2014. Yeah, so this album moved a lot of copies, because at the time, Pearl Jam were, like, pretty dang popular. As you said, their first two albums sold really well, and Pearl Jam at the time was kind of poised to be... I, I think I dropped this line earlier, like, the inheritors of rock and roll. Uh, yeah. Because, like, the way that I see Pearl Jam is there's pop rock and there's alt rock, and then really just, like, Pearl Jam and Foo Fighters inherited some of that really classic rock music sensibilities and kept that pretty consistent through its run. They get a little bit more experimental, but their core sound is still guitar-driven, drums, bass, like, the the staple of what a rock band is. Yeah. Pearl Jam is also considered a grunge band, which I feel like you can't really pigeonhole them into that. Like, that's not even, like, like nah. That's, like, nah. Yeah, but... yeah. Gr- <laughs> grunge is a little reductive to speak of their style. I don't think it's inaccurate for some of the stuff. And yeah. a, a big theme on this album is sort of comparing Eddie Vedder and Kurt Cobain's... Eddie Vedder described it as being on, like, a parallel train to Kurt yeah. Cobain. And I thought that was really interesting. And the songs on this album don't get explicit about that. There's some imagery that we'll talk about in some of the later tracks that people really associate with Kurt Cobain's death, but it's not... Eddie Vedder has sort of explicitly said, no, that's not what the song is about. But you do see a yeah. lot of influence of the idea of fame and what being the rock star for the 90s is doing to this guy. Spoiler alert! It's uh, it's a little bit rough. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, Pearl Jam was just insanely popular 
back in the 90s and they still are even like they yeah. have tons of radio play mm-hmm. and uh th- their first album 10 uh sold 13 times platinum oh wow oh my which god which is crazy that's a diamond record that's really and really good wow just in the u.s and uh their second album was seven times platinum and this one vitalogy is five times platinum so yeah. like, people were starting to buy them a little bit less because you know they, they weren't new anymore but like still that's a shitload of records <laughs> yeah Ooh. oh my god and vitalogy is the start of some more shall we say, challenging songs for Pearl Jam. Sure. There, there, are some, <laughs> there are some tracks on this that are a little bit... I mean, it's it's a part of... Esoteric? The, yeah, yeah. And it's a part of the creative process to make these things that are describing mental distress, but some of them get, uh-huh. like, real, real tough. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's... Uh, Ten, their first album, is, I think, way further up on this list than it is still on this list because it was huge. And yes. to be fair, I, I, I love 10, and I I think I like 10 more than this album, pretty clearly. Yeah, but yeah, I think so. It, it's also a little bit safer at times. It, a lot of the songs, they don't necessarily run together, but they're all in a relatively similar style. And Vitalogy is really trying to break out of what that expectation was set. There There's a lot of weirdness on this album. There's a lot of quiet moments. There's a lot of personal moments and sometimes that's personal moments where he's like yeah come here and let me show you and then there's sometimes personal moments where it's like hey you want to see this is this what you want to see good take a good long look at it and that's i mean (laughs) it's intense yeah no and i i I haven't listened to those other their their first two albums recently enough to like be able to compare and Mm -hmm. contrast but uh it definitely seems like there's more going on here like just on a certain level but I, I gotta say, also, I'm kind of surprised that Versus isn't on the list, their second album. Yeah. Uh, like, it was just as big as the as all the other two. Like, I don't know. It's weird. I guess it's I guess it's fine, but but this album was fairly good. I'm glad that you enjoyed it, because I was a little bit... I mean, I wasn't really worried, because I knew that you'd probably dig it. But, like, it was weird being on the other side of this for once and saying, Oh, well, is, <laughs> is, she, is she gonna like it? Like... Yeah. No, I always have that worry whenever whenever it's one that I know. Yeah, um, I had that with with Wilco, and and when you were saying like that you weren't that, like super into it, I was like worried. And then like I kind of brought you around to it. Right, right, <laughs> yeah. With the Wilco album, it was a lot more like I need to I need to figure this shit out. Yeah, and, and there's some figuring out to be done on this one too, for sure. Yeah, and, yeah. And I didn't even I didn't dig into it that deep either. Um, I didn't get quite enough uh exposure to it for a proper review which is it's good that you have yeah i'm glad but... that i've heard this before because i also probably didn't do as much time as i should have but but <laughs> i know i'm totally transparent here <laughs> <laughs> like i'm gonna get that out in the open but i know enough about it and i i found some some cool stuff about some of these tracks if we want to go ahead and dig in yeah sure yeah sure. I, I listened to this a few times but i still i'm i still will be struggling to remember what some of these 14 tracks sounded like <laughs> uh, off the top of my head yeah. There are 14 tracks. It's a very it's like 55 minutes long. It's kind of long. So the first track is weirdly enough entitled Last Exit. And this is the intro for this one is really cool because the pieces of the band just sort of fall into place. Like it's it oh. sounds like they're rolling the instruments in and then once they're all on the stage together, it's like there's just sort of this upbeat and then 
boom, and the whole, like, su- like your mental picture comes together and suddenly Pearl Jam is on stage and playing. Oh, dude, uh, I-, I wanted to say about the intro to this track. Yeah. It's free jazz is what is happening there. Oh my god, I'm like, so I glad. That, and I instantly recognize, like, that, like, 45 or 30 seconds of music as them playing free jazz. <laughs> like, oh straight my god. up, like, it's not, like, random... I mean, you could make an argument for free jazz being random, but it's, no. It's I'm not. so glad that you're um, here because that just like anybody who knows what free jazz is just heard me describe that and is like, "What are you five? <laughs> like, no, I mean that's whatever. But like, <laughs> they're they're playing free jazz in the first few seconds of this, like what thirty seconds, I guess. That it was super legit, and <laughs> I kind of wish there was like a whole interlude of that, but yeah. Yeah, I'm glad that that set you up really well, because, like, I know that's totally your deal. <laughs> yeah, like, we're talking about how they took more risks on this album, like, there yeah. you go, right away. And even, like, past that, the verses of this song are in 5-4 time, and the chorus is in 4-4 time. Right. Yeah, that's a, a weird one, too. The, it's so weird, and it's starting you off with weird. <laughs> it, this is also, like, a, a pretty hard rockin', hard rock song with some intense vocals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, he goes, Eddie Vedder, like, he's got some screams on this one that I didn't know were in him. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So the traditional vocal style that Eddie Vedder has, and you'll hear this a lot, a lot on 10, is actually has its own little term, and I love this term, and every time I get to say it, it makes me happy. It's called yarling. You have told me this before. Yes, I have, <laughs> and I love I, telling I forgot. I forgot completely. Yarling is the word. Y-A-R-L. As a verb, and it's one of the best things that I've ever heard, because when you hear that word, you're like, oh yeah, like, yeah. And the cool thing oh about yarling is that Eddie Vedder basically codified this style as an artistic choice. You'll see on this album that he breaks out of that more often, and he gets his screams, and he gets more melodic stuff. Whereas on ten, it's it's mostly yarling, but still as, as yeah. a choice. See, that's uh, why I expected to hear more of that on this album, and there's yeah, not you, a whole lot. Of... There's there's some where it's more where it's less about him and the singing as as the focus of the song, where it pulls back and and does that a little bit more because it it makes the voice feel more like an instrument and less like communication in some ways, which is nice. And, and alternative rock has taken yarling and just driven it into the ground. Uh, yeah, definitely. Alt rock does it like I hate to bring this up because we do it every so often. It's Nickelback. Nickelback's the, yep. the example that I was have. hoping. You're gonna, I know. For some reason, I was thinking Creed instead of Nickelback. Oh, Creed is really. another good one. Creed is another. <laughs> I think Creed does it even band. more so. I think that's true. I think Nickelback has has some some say in the matter as opposed to like just being how he sings, how Chad Kroger sings. Yeah. Um, I mean, Chad but, Kroger. Has some solid vocals. Yeah, he's not bad. And that's the thing. Yarling doesn't... Like, using Yarling as a tool doesn't necessarily mean you're bad. I mean, Eddie Vedder made it. Yeah. But, like, the problem is that any tool can be used improperly. And if it's the Mm -hmm. only tool that you have, like, if that's your hammer, everything's a nail, man. And that can lead to some very bad decisions. And some lazy (laughs) decisions. And when you make lazy decisions, you make bad music. Yep. But... Eddie Vedder does break out of that a lot on this album, and like you were saying, there's a lot of yelling on this track, and there's a lot of yelling on some other tracks as well. Uh, yeah. 
And it's really good to hear because it feels like on this album specifically, Eddie Vedder's a guy who needs to yell. Mm-hmm. He's got some yell-worthy emotions to work out. He needs to get that out of him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there's a there's a demon in him, and it comes out in the form of a yell. Yeah, like, the yells on this track, like, actually really impressed me. Like, it, it reminded me of, like, Dave Grohl. Yeah. Um, he, yeah. He, some of those kind of yells. So, uh, the second track, Spin the Black Circle, was interesting because, um, as Wikipedia noted, I, I, I skimmed, like, the Wikipedia articles for each <laughs> song that had one. And I don't know why they noted this on Wikipedia. I don't know if it's notable enough to be on there. But okay. it was uh, interesting. Um, the the main riff of this song is very similar to a Husker Du riff from their, oh my god um, Zen Arcade, not not from the one we reviewed, but just happens to oh that's so con- cool connect there yeah <laughs> oh that's rad just the 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 that yeah. that riff that's like straight up in a Husker Du song probably by coincidence because it's not that unique of a riff. But still, it's that's really cool. I love that connection. So and now, and spin the black circle is like a, a punk ass fucking punk song too. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> really. I think this is probably the fastest song on the album. It, it's got the it's it's so quick. It's so to the point. And I love this song because even when it's the fat like this is I don't know if simple is the right word for it, but this is the most straightforward song on the album. You know, verse chorus verse chorus, and that's that's about it. It's fast. It's thrashy. It's fun. The yeah. lyrics on this are, like, really cute and cleverly subversive. So, Spinning the Black Circle, that's... I, vinyl. It's vinyl! It's about yeah. vinyl! But the the way that's that awesome. they use words on this are, like... L- l- let me just read this to you because it's so short. See this needle, uh, see my hand, drop, drop, dropping it down oh so gently. Well, here it comes, I touch the plane... Turn me up, won't you turn away? It's huh. like, you know, it's using this, it's terminology associated with vinyl, but the way that it's organized makes it feel like really visceral. And especially when yeah. it's, it's being yelled. Like this, this sounds like a, you know, a a needle hitting somebody's skin and you're just like, <laughs> but it's about vinyl. Yeah, that's awesome. That's so cool. In fact, there's one part very near the end where he's just like, screaming you're so warm the ritual when i lay down your crooked arm and it's like oh my god (laughs) yeah it's so like when you have the image of vinyl it's like okay but that's so mundane but i love it (laughs) (laughs) yeah apparently uh the bassist uh jeff ament i don't know if that's how you say it but the the bassist jeff ament um apparently said that he wasn't happy with the song because originally it was a lot slower and he wanted it to be less of a punk song, but they they made it faster and, and more intense, and and he wasn't into it. But I think it turned out great. Yeah, I mean, I I think this is I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's the one that stands out to me as being like the most single worthy of all the songs on the album because it's mm. just so it's just so like uh, I think that's better, man. You're right because that's such just a radio. No, song. you're right. You're right. <laughs> I don't know. This, this is this one always sticks out to me as just being like. It, it shows up, it does work, it walks away. And then it's like, it it just succeeds in what it's doing. Yeah, I think so, for sure. So we got the next track, if you will. Not For You is the name of the track. Yeah. Um, and this, this one is more of what I expected. <laughs> this sounds more like a Pearl Jam song. Yes, yeah. 
Because it has that main riff going all throughout that's like, and and I'm like, okay, that's a fucking 90s ass, yep, all yep. rock ass riff right there. Oh, yeah. And that's that's what I was expecting to hear. And this song is really good. It's got some fucking yells on it, and it's, oof, good. Yeah. <laughs> so this one is about the commodification of youth by the music industry. And that mm. sounds a lot more loftier than... Pearl Jam's feud with Ticketmaster, which this was also kind of about. Uh, yeah. Because <laughs> basically, Pearl Jam learned that Ticketmaster was price-gouging shows for their fans, you know? Yes. And and skimming a lot off the top. And he got really, really mad because his music is intended to be for everybody who can hear it. Yeah. And, and if you put that much of a, a price barrier, he basically... This entire song is about the idea that you're commodifying youth. You're making it, like... So that people can't have their youth unless they get through the paywall first. And that's disgusting. Mm. Um, yeah, definitely. I'm, I was really glad that the song Not For You was not about, like, there aren't being Not For You, but about the the commodification of it. Like, the art not being for the industry. Which is, I mean, in retrospect, I should have expected that because this is Pearl Jam. And, like, yeah. <laughs> come on now. But it yeah. was still good to see. Yeah, I don't have much else to say about Not For You other than it is very yep. good it's one of my favorites i think it's also on the long side so yeah. it's five almost six minutes long like it's the longest one on here uh other than the the that closer yeah which is kind well, of an experimental piece we'll get to oh yeah we'll get to that one this was another <laughs> sort relatively straightforward one i i think it worked pretty well and it worked like the the tone of it both musically and lyrically was really solid because the the beat works well as, as sort of like I, I I characterize it kind of like a war march. Like, you're supposed to yeah. get jazzed up, you're supposed to get fired up, and like, hey, this isn't cool, but not just in a, like, oh, doesn't it suck? It's a, hey, get up and do something about it. Yeah, that's always good. Yep. Rather than just wallowing. Yeah, I dig it. Next up is Tremor Christ. Uh, this one mm-hmm. has, like, some of the most impenetrable lyrics on the album, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, there's a story being told ostensibly like there's a sailor and he goes through some things and someone saves him but she gets drowned in his wake and i think that's good imagery but for the most part this is like there's there are a lot more story songs on this album and this is the one that is like probably trying to to couch some of the actual meaning in its in its metaphor and uh this song uh, according to the guitarist Stone Gossard, apparently this song just about wrote itself <laughs> because it is basically just one riff and and a half. Like this, like weird marching, like steady beat, you know? Like, yeah. And uh, it's it's really interesting, and it's got this weird kind of surreal vibe to it. Yeah, the guitar part in this feels very disoriented slash disorienting, but then the the beat centers it a little bit more, so it, it, it feels more like you're swaying back and forth, but on the same pivot point, as opposed to just sort of, like, stumbling around. It's, it's, it's very yeah. weird, uh, but I like it. And it's also kind of heavy. It is kind of heavy, too. This song invokes for me the feeling of being out on a dock at night and you see someone in the distance and you don't know who they are, but they're coming towards you. Nice. I don't know why. No, that's, that's like really the specific good. image I get from it. Just I, like, I like that no a lot. one's around and you see a figure in the distance 
and something about it just unsettles you. I don't know. Oh, no, that's really Maybe cool. That's... Yeah. <laughs> I just got that specific imagery for some reason. I will say that when we say, when you get the the line the song writes itself. There are, there are two halves of these songs that are being written. All of the lyrics for this music is being written by Eddie Vedder, the the vocalist. Yes. And the music is is being written by all bunch of different people. On the original album, it was just labeled as music written by Pearl Jam. Uh Yeah. But there are there's a subset of members writing each song. Um and this one was by, I think it's the, the bassist and the guitarist that put this one together. So, so like, it, it, it was just really funny to me that we had two sentences back to back. It was like, the lyrics are, are, like, so hard to get into. And then to hear the phrase, the song basically wrote itself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Next track is Nothing Man, which is a very notable one. Yeah, yeah. So this one is in 3-4 time. I make a mention because a lot of these... Almost all of these songs are in four four time, uh, except for where yeah, I'm, pop songs, I'm pointing yeah. out. Yeah, it's you know it's it's rock and roll. It's four four. Yeah. But this one is in three four, and it mm-hmm. adds a sort of gravitas to the whole thing. Yeah, and and this is a song about loss and loss from overconfidence and a failing relationship, and it's really kind. I mean, it's it's really sad. Yeah, I think this song is uh, beautiful, even. It's really, really beautiful. I fucking love this song. Yeah. I, I feel like this is, like, a little, like, Pearl Jam subgenre of, like, slow, sad songs that they do with the Yarling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, um, Elderly Woman Behind a Counter from their pre- previous yeah. album is, like, this kind of thing. And mm-hmm. Better Man is, is that as well. And they They kind of, like... I don't want to say they're similar, like, because they do all stand out from each other, but, like, it feels like you could make a specific, like, just compilation of those songs, and it would be, like, a thing. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> fair. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's a, it's because it's distinct from what they usually do, and all the songs are distinct, but it's it's distinct in a similar direction, basically. Yeah. And they're all really good. Like, yeah. universally. Oh, my God. Like, I think Nothing Man is one of the better ones. I, oh, my God. I, I love this song so much. It's got some of the best lyrics writing that I, I think I've ever seen in a Pearl Jam song. There are just some, some mm. really, really standout lines like, caught a bolt of lightning, curse the day he let it go. That's like, oh my god, that's good. That's <laughs> yeah. really good. Because it's, it's lofty kind of writing. It's it's poetic. It's It's like... I mean, it's literature to an extent, but it doesn't have any of the air of like, hey, check me out for writing this. It's like, this is the only way that I can communicate this. And it's in the in this flowery sort of like, flowery but still really heavy, visceral kind of stuff. And, and this this really sounds like the 90s to me. Because a lot of the oh, yeah. like heavier hard rock songs on this sound way more modern to me for some reason than they actually are. Yeah, they, they a lot of them hold up pretty well, but this one definitely. I mean, it, it's, it's like not Foo that, Fighters, you know. Yeah, not that this doesn't hold up, but it it feels more from its era. Yeah, and I then like yeah, it doesn't. Not saying anything bad because this is a great one of the <laughs> better songs on the album for me, even. So it's it's just that particular sound. Next up, we have whipping. Yes, whipping, whipping it is good. so much faster. This is this is getting back up to speed. I it's. Only slightly slower than Spin the Black Circle, and it's it's really rocking. And it's got really cool little like arpeggios on the guitars, and mm-hmm. and the and the drums go like boop, 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 and like <laughs> I don't know. I really love this one. 
Yeah, this it, one's fun. It, it's got like the quiet part before the chorus, you know, with the guitar arpeggios. And... Yeah. Otherwise, it's like it's a hard rock song. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, <laughs> Two the and cool a half thing minutes. about <laughs> the cool thing about this one that I've noticed, uh, and it, it, it's very subtle. If you look up Eddie Vedder's solo work specifically, you get a lot more of not necessarily a surf rock vibe, but he's. Like every picture of him is like out by a coast somewhere, and he he's got like a like a waves theme in a lot of his lyrics, and a water theme like bodies of water theme in his lyrics. This is one of the few songs that if you really take a close listen, you can hear a sort of actual surf rock influence in the music. Yeah, now that I think about it, it does kind of have a surf rock sound to it a little bit. I I didn't think about that. And the reason that I brought it up beforehand that all of these songs are written by different people is that this is another, this is the first song that had Vetter as the actual music composer was Not For You. This is the second song on the album that has Vetter as the only music composer on it. Oh, okay. So he's bringing in a little bit more of his particular style, which has that sort of surf rock, out on a beach playing music feel to it, which I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I didn't think of him as a beach man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's no Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> Well, okay, but Jimmy Buffett is the beach man, so, like, that's true. everybody else in comparison to him that, is a beach man. I mean, that's, like, his middle name, right? Jimmy Beachman Buffett. <laughs> yes. ja- James Beachman Buffett. <laughs> that's real. That's that's really real, and that's, that's true. That's, that's what his name is. That's for true, and you can look that up and then never talk to me ever again. <laughs> uh, so next up, we have Pry, comma, 2, and this one is... I've, this is the first one that I would characterize as an interlude on the album. Yeah, I don't know what this is. It's a well. It's <laughs> let me tell you what it's about. It's a little interlude about privacy and mm. nothing else, because like you'd what? be you'd be forgiven for not being able to understand it because he's he's sort of I mean yeah. he's, he's yarling. I was gonna say what words are he saying? It's P R I V A C Y is priceless to me. Oh, but he doesn't say yeah. that in the manner that a person might. He just kind of, <laughs> like, scrawls it with his voice. Yeah, I thought he was... I had no idea what he was saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, and this... I think it's important that this was left on the album, even though it's so weird and kind of nothing, because it's... <laughs> Almost like a nothing man wrote it. Oh, goodness. Because, like, you get these little insights into how Eddie Vedder is doing lately, and this is one of the ones where he makes it pretty clear that it's not doing so great. Mm. And there are, there are some more explicit parts in that later on. And in fact, the next track is really important to that as well. But, like, specifically the fact that this was just sort of, like, kept in and, like, almost forced through onto the album is like, Hey guys, like, seriously, I just give me a break for two minutes, please. <laughs> it, it, it feels important that that was communicated through this. I mean, communicated is a strong word for this track. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but yes, no, it is a, a statement. And it is very interestingly sent and, and portrayed, but it is there. I think it's more effectively portrayed through the next song, Corduroy. Mm-hmm. And this was a favorite of mine. I'm glad, because it's really, really good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this song is actually written about a corduroy jacket that Eddie Vedder saw in a store. And it's important, like, that's that sounds like nothing. But what, what happened is that the jacket was $500 and labeled Pearl Jam Eddie Vedder corduroy shirt. 
Oh boy. <laughs> and <laughs> that adds a lot more weight to it because he's, I mean, he's already explained on this album that that's messed up. And he hates yeah. being associated with that. And this is yet another <laughs> instance of, hey, let's see if we can make some money off of this schmuck. <laughs> and it's like, that's not okay. You can't do this. Uh, yeah, no. And and it's not even just, I don't want my name being associated with products that I'm not getting any value from. A, a line in this is, they can buy, but they can't put on my clothes. So it's like, even like putting aside the fact that it is wildly unethical to put somebody's name on a premium product in order to sell it without their consent. <laughs> like, there's also the idea that, guys, th this is to the fans. You can't just become who I am by putting on a corduroy jacket. You can't yeah. get I, neither the talent, neither the positive aspects of who I am, nor the weight and the, the negative aspects of who I am. From, from dressing up like me and, and hopping on a stage. It's it's a reduction of who you are as a person that weirdly comes out and only happens when you become as famous as you are and get in front of as many people as you are. Yeah. And that's really heavy. It is. And the music on this one is really interesting and good, I thought. Because I never, I didn't dive into the lyrics too much on this. But yeah, yeah. Um, musically, is it got me like... It starts with this dark kind of little minimalist guitar plucking riff and um, guitar and bass even. And and it busts into this harder rock where he's singing in a, in a minor key. And when it gets to the chorus, I guess, it um, shifts into a more melodic thing with um, in a major key with these really nice like cluster chords. and Yeah, yeah. Oof, it's, and, it's good. and even his vocals get a little bit more poppy for that bit, if I'm remembering right. Because, yeah. I, I mean, it's it's still Eddie Vedder, so it's still his style. But the, the melody that he uses for that is... Da, 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 yeah, da, I don't want to be held in your hand. And, and yeah. it's it's so much more like, oh, it's it's speaking to the people who view this as, as a popular thing by sort of shifting into the more pop music language and the pop music, you know, key. And it's like, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> that's really, that's really good. And my favorite quote about this song is actually from Vetter himself who says it, it's about a relationship but it's not about a relationship between two people it's like one person's relationship with a million people yeah i remember reading that that was really good and that ah oh, like this guy's just so good with words but not just in the quote but like the lyrics of the song are in a, a personal tone it's not shouting to the masses it's like if he, he took every fan individually and like set them down in front of him, and was like okay Let's let's hash some shit out real quick. Yeah. And it's not like accusat I mean it's kind of accusatory, but it's not like a little bit. Every it's not like everybody just fuck off. It's like, yeah. hey, let me let me let me try and tell you why this it's is real frustrating talk. me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's ah. Uh, this is a really, 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 really good song. Uh and I do like the outro as well. There's some cool guitar leads going yeah. on over the chords and and it does fade out, which, and it's fine, because it did what it needed to do. And bugs. then we get to Bugs. When That's I, a weird... <laughs> when I said the word challenging to describe some tracks in this, I was lifting that directly from the notes that I wrote up for Bugs. Because this is... <laughs> I, I hesitate to say that it's the most challenging, but it's pretty up there. I feel like it's it's almost 
like a joke like the, musically yeah it's just this clumsy ass accordion played by vetter that it feels, it seems like he doesn't know how to play the accordion he's accordion. just figured out two chords i I, pre- I, uh, <laughs> I wrote down the single word accordion twice in my <laughs> in my notes because i was just like accordion i i feel like he literally just learned how to play two chords and just was like Okay, this is gonna be on the track. Yeah, that's that's basically <laughs> what it is. Yeah, and uh, oh, it's God. kind of like a representation of his mental state, I guess. Yeah, because it's it's. Cluttered. I can totally get feeling like that. It, it's cluttered by not objects, but by entities, and that's what the the bugs are. It's there are way too many people in my room right now, but also they're kind of responsible for me, like living the way that I can. So I gotta kind of deal with them for a while. What do I do about them? You tell me, man. I don't know. Whew, yeah. The Ugh. lyrics are interesting. It, it starts <laughs> off with just, I got bugs. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I, I cannot have felt that before, and yet somehow you've made me feel like I've felt that before. <laughs> like, like, I have no idea of fame or fortune or anything like that or the weight that it can bring on a person, but you have communicated the entirety of it to me with just the completely exhausted, I got bugs. I love, I love that. And I love, after he establishes that he has bugs and <laughs> they're all over the goddamn place, he says, and now the questions, uh, do I kill them? Do I become their friend? Do I eat them? Raw or well done? <laughs> <laughs> Do I trick them? I don't think they're dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he gets, like, he doesn't, I mean, a lot of it is spoken word, but there's some singing in here that's, like, trying. He's trying to get out of yeah. it. Yeah. And, but he can't. And there's, there's a line in this Tickle My Nausea that's, like, that is mm. everything about this song. That is yeah. everything about this track, because everything about this musically, lyrically, is all about... <laughs> Until you just yeah. get sick of hearing it, and he kind of he kind of re- resigns himself to to joining the bugs as well yeah. and just going along with them, uh, which is interesting because I guess that's I mean what else can you do in that position? Right. I mean, um, he I also feel is, like Kurt probably had a similar yeah. feeling, but <sighs> that's a dark note. Yeah. Well, there's <laughs> there's there's more. There's more. Um, there is a lot. <laughs> let's let's go into let's go into Satan's bed, which is the next track. <laughs> Shall we? <laughs> I guess we gotta. This song isn't the most impenetrable, but it's the one that I want to get. Like I want to figure out way more about it than I know, because mm-hmm. there's an idea within it that's it, it's a very complex emotion, but one that I felt so often that I want to know. The last time that I listened to this before we started doing our review. I actually paused it and said, "I, I gotta listen to that again." Cause oh wow! There's, there's so, so the the emotion that, that that's going on in here, it's like guilt and shame, and avoidance of things that would normally cause that, but still feeling that anyway. And I kind of encapsulate this is I I wrote this, so I have no idea how right it is. But it's why do I feel like shit if I'm doing the right thing? Because mm. he describes right. how he's not. He's not doing the wrong things. He's not doing the bad things. And you would know. You would know if he's doing the wrong or bad things. Because mm-hmm. he, he said that, like, the marks would be left behind. Like, if I shook Satan's hand, you'd see it on my hand. 
If I sucked his dick, you'd see it on my mouth. Right. Like, actually saying that. And, yeah. and there's this idea of, like, I'm trying. I'm trying to get all of this stuff together. Why does it feel so bad? <laughs> why, do I, why do I feel like shit if I'm doing the right thing? <laughs> like, I mean, they get into complex emotions on this album. But that's so, like, sharply, like, really tough to express. And this song yeah. really goes all in on it. And I really like the riff, the main riff of this song, too. Yeah. Which uh, is like... Yeah. It kind of repeats. It's like a really offbeat kind of... I mean, it's not offbeat, but... I mean, like, not technically, literally offbeat. <laughs> I, I, I get you. It, it, it feels it's this, odd. Yeah, it's know? this groovy, dark little, like, like tantalizing sort of riff. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very fitting of the subject matter. Yeah. I'd say. And it's... Th- this is the one... This is kind of the crossover between the tracks that are, like, breakdowns. Like, full-on, like, I, I just can't handle it. And the ones that are more, this is how I'm feeling today. Because this, this mm-hmm. really straddles that line in being... Okay, guys, like, if you got any last suggestions, please let me know, or else I'm just gonna go fall over in that corner over there and just, like, chill for a <laughs> while and hang out with the bugs. Cause, like... <laughs> yep. Like, if you got any ideas, give me a hand. Yeah. Man. Yeah. There's some stuff on this thing. It's really heavy. Um, and <laughs> it's... It's it's kind of... I mean, obviously, this is a tough time in Eddie Vedder's life, but it's... I think he's getting more of it out in his music than some other artists have. And, I mean, that's me tiptoeing around Cobain again. But yeah, I, I'm not as into Nirvana as some folks are. And I'm definitely not into trying to dissect Kurt Cobain as a person. Because yeah. that's that's not the space that I need to be in. But, <laughs> like, like, that's not, it's not, not, not that it'd be bad for me. I'm just saying that, like, that's not, I don't think that's what Kurt needed. Yeah. At, at least not at this point. But mm-hmm. I I get the feeling off of this album that when Eddie Vedder describes himself as a parallel train, and that's not that's not in the lyrics, that's in his comments. But when he yeah, uses yeah. that phrasing, he doesn't use it willy nilly as just saying like, "Oh, we're we're doing the same stuff." It's we're following same paths in our music careers, but parallel lines don't quite touch. Mm-hmm. They can get close, and they can stay close for as long as they're there, but. Vetter seems to be making some choices in his songwriting and try trying trying to cope with this in ways that Kurt really couldn't, I think. Yeah. And and you see that a lot on this album as this is the this is the album where he kind of really like grabs on as tight as he can to that that space that Kurt never quite made it to and saying, "I am going to do my damnedest not not to let this go." Mhm. And th- this track is is one of those that gets that across in the most productive ways, I think. And that's that's why I say that I, I really want to dig into this track again because it's 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 got so much stuff to it, and the language being used is a little bit flowery. It's a it's it's kind of obscuring, but kind of not. But there's a lot of emotions to unpack in this one, both yeah. like, lyrically and musically. Yep. And then we got. Track 11, Better Man. Which is such a, like, oh my god, I'm so glad that this one is right after because it's it's a really good, <laughs> soft-spoken track that's, like, a breather after this. It's it's a lot more, it's got more acoustic moments, It's it's got 
a really like sweet kind of organ melody in it and and it has that iconic intro riff of the that's a very uh pearl jam riff they're so good at writing those kind of yeah oh god (laughs) so this song was uh a really old one that apparently eddie wrote like before he said before he could drink so he was like 20 (laughs) Well, actually, I think this one, uh, if I'm reading correctly, was actually when he was 17, like in high school. Oh, yeah. So even further yeah. back. It's a super old song. And yeah. they recorded it for their previous album, Verses, but never used it. And apparently Eddie wanted to give the song away to someone else. He didn't want it to be a Pearl Jam song. Wow. Um, but but one of their like recording engineers like convinced him, like, no, 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 no. This is, this is a hit. This is a hit. Like, <laughs> and... You need to... Put he this was out. right, because <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it was really, really good. And I can totally get the, I can totally get how he felt though, wanting to get rid of it because I know how it feels to have an old ass, fucking old song <laughs> yeah. that you've written as a kid, and yeah. <laughs> and, and also this, I mean, like pretty much anything that Eddie Vedder writes down, it's got some baggage with it because it is about it's about a failing mm-hmm. relationship yep. from. The perspective of the woman in the relationship who is not to blame for the problems. Yeah. Because the whole idea is that the only reason that she's not out of this relationship that's going nowhere or doing bad things is that she can't find a better man. Mm -hmm. And that's when this is written by a guy who's had his share of breakups, that's a scathing indictment of himself, basically. It, It messes me up every time I think about the title better man yeah because better man is the name of an anime that <laughs> shares it, it's a mecha anime that shares the same universe with king of braves gal Gygar, which is one of my favorites of all time and i just keep thinking about better man the fucking anime hero every time like oh God, just just that. look up what better man looks like so you can get an idea of my fucking mental image <laughs> I love that so much, 27. <laughs> That's really good. Um, this is otherwise a, a pretty solid rock anthem. I mean, it's it's quieter than most of their other stuff, but it's still relatively straightforward. The last Easter egg that I will give is that there's a very, very small line drop near the end that suggests that this is a mirror song to Nothing Man. Oh, yeah. She Feeds Him is a line in... It's a sentiment expressed in both songs. And it's like a a weirdly specific line that's being used. And so the idea is that she's she's giving him support and attention, and that's what he needs to, I guess, continue existing in some ways. Except in Nothing Man, it's... This is almost like a prequel, because the idea is that he got overconfident in Nothing Man, and, like, she eventually broke it off, and now he's he's left with nothing. Uh, and then Better Man mm. is in that stage where she's still giving him that sort of attention and support, and he's going and continuing on just sort of floundering. Right. And so it's it's cool once you hear both of these songs to go back and, and sort of find the parallels or see the, the two perspectives from this. Because Nothing Man presents an image of, like, you, you might get the idea of, oh, well, geez, why did she leave him if he's gonna, like, die after she leaves him? That was so mean. And then this perspective shows you, no, no, he's, he messed up. He's yeah. continually messing up. It's still his fault. Hmm. It's a good exploration of relationships. Like, nothing yeah. that, none of the lyrics in this are one-sided. Everything is w- under the idea of 
there's complexity, there's nuance, there's problems that can only be expressed through complex emotions and discussions. That's interesting because I never thought of the two songs as being part of a whole. Right? Which makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah. Oh, this is this is definitely an album that you got to listen to like a, a lot to really dig into. And I I definitely haven't done my due diligence in that but like <laughs> looking up all of this is like there's so much stuff to hold on to it's a it's a great mm. album we're almost done with it too yep to our 12th track uh aya davenita yeah yep that's it that, that, um, um this, it's this a, is kind of an interlude i'd say yeah I mean, it's, it's an it's a instrumental song, except but. like the voice is kind of being used as an instrument here cuz like it's there's no actual lyrics but the there's some vocalizations of oh yeah and i davenita it's and, kind of a latin beat yeah it's a, it's a little bit groovy not really sure what purpose it serves but i mean like after everything it's kind of a chill out like yeah i'd say so it, this is definitely Fair like enough. the exhale on the album where you, you have all your feelings and then Aya Davinita comes out and you're like, yeah, let's dance. <laughs> <laughs> let's do it. Cha-cha, real smooth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's very chill. Very few Pearl Jam songs. There are slow songs. There are fast songs. There are songs that lean more on the bass and lean more on the, on the yelling. And this one is one of the very few Pearl Jam songs that I can describe as chill. Yeah, this one, it, it sounds like it could potentially be in a commercial. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because there's no, like, emotional baggage or heavy yeah. anything. <laughs> <laughs> so that's cool. Yeah, it was, it was, it's a nice little, little break. Oh, yeah. especially because the next song is Immortality. Oh boy. Uh, so this is the one, I'm gonna, I'm gonna... We we've talked a lot about Kurt Cobain and the Parallel Trains, and so I'm I'm gonna like get that out of the way real quick. This song, Eddie Vedder has said, is not about Kurt Cobain, or was not intended to be about Kurt Cobain. He said it's okay if you get some meaning out of it from that way. But yeah. I'm going to lay my foot down and say if Eddie Vedder says it's not about Kurt Cobain, then it's not about Kurt Cobain. Yeah. I mean if, it, it if, did sound like it was yeah. to me, but I mean, you know. Of, of all, like, there's some things where I say, you know, death of the author and take what you want out of it, but, like, there's... Mm, it, it's a bit too personal. Right. In something like this, I gotta say, like, no, nah, no, li- listen to any better no. this time. <laughs> um, yes. Either way, it's it's a it's a great song. Uh, it's got some really good acoustic bits that I liked. Yeah. And it is just... Th- this is more generally about fame, and he, the lyrics are still in that idea of, hey, I'm heading towards fame, and I really don't know how to cope with it. Uh, but I'm trying, mm-hmm. and so that's, I mean, that's there, but it's a lot more, he intended to be more about his life and his his personal life. And uh, musically, this one is incredibly 90s. Yeah, oh <laughs> and, yeah. And uh, really good, very, very 1994, which, hey, that was the year I was born. Hey! Hey! <laughs> but it has these, like, quiet parts with the, the clean guitar, and then it busts into, like, the... Yeah. Yeah, it's really nice, uh, dark, moody, really heavy emotionally. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's also not necessarily just about him, but also, like, his his class of rock stars. Yeah. Because there's this idea of a a truant, he calls it. You know, somebody who didn't show up for class. And the the identity of that, because in the 90s, that was still kind of like a big thing, where it's like, oh, hey, if you're, you know... Lazy at school and still means you're an artistic genius. And that worked out for a couple people. But, like, that ideology, or that imagery is then carried out through this 
the song and it's it, it it feels very much like a i mean it's a story song but it's a lot more like a like a picture book story song and not in a simplistic way or not in like a juvenile way but in a like this isn't a story about a particular set of things it's more like this this is happening generally what are we gonna do about it uh yeah and i don't really have anything else to add about that the song immortality other than it is a very good it is uh, very good <laughs> Like it's a good song. And then we got our finale, which uh, has two titles. I'm not sure. Yeah, so on the original release, this was entitled, Hey Foxy Mop Handle Mama, That's Me. Uh, and then because nobody wanted to say that, they've shortened it on re-releases to Stupid Mop. Which, uh, sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, that's that's fine. It's a more, it's a more Pearl Jammy name, if I'm being honest. Because uh, yeah. it's, it's all one word and it's relatively short. Um, so... So what is this? What is this song? Okay, I'm, I'll, I'll tell you. This song is an instrumental composed by the entire band, which is cool. And it is over- Also showing some free jazz influence a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. And it has the voices of patients of psychiatric hospital overlaid on top of it. Oh. Eddie Vedder recorded a news segment, like, taped it on VHS when he was 17... And had these samples around, and so what you're hearing are people in a mental institute talking with reporters, basically. Huh. Um, That's interesting. And it's... I couldn't understand anything they were saying. Yeah, it's it's very... I, low res is Garbled. the word that popped into my mind. Yeah. It's, it's really muddled, and I wish it weren't quite so muddled. You really have to strain to hear the, the things that they're saying, but the things that are being included... Alright, so, some of them are intended to just show, like that these folks aren't entirely in their right minds, but especially near the end, the samples get really important. So the, the, the title of this comes from a an inmate who is obsessed with cleaning and very vocal about that and gets fed up with a, a squeegee mop or something like that. But near the end, you get these samples that are them sort of talking about the stigma of being mentally ill, like okay, I, I know that I have these problems, but do I talk about it with everyone? No, I kind of keep it to myself. And I can still fantasize, but I keep it to myself. There, there's some very heavy lines like, I think I deserve to be loved, don't you? And, oh boy. And then the the very last one, I we may have to put a warning on this episode. Uh, the very okay. last one is, do you ever think, I, I assume this is the reporter talking, do you ever think that you would actually really kill yourself? Mm. And the person responding to it is, well... I have thought about it uh, real deep. Yes, I believe I would. And mm. there's a lot of stuff to unpack with how okay it is to use these kinds of samples. Yeah. I mean, my my take on it, very unnuanced take, is I don't think it's very good. Um, it's, I, obviously, yeah, it might not be the most tasteful. Yeah, I mean, there's, stu- there's stuff that you're working out, and obviously Vetter's going through some serious mental anguish, but... I, I don't think that you're allowed to use these people's voices this kind of way. Um, yeah, I don't... It doesn't sit that well with me. Yeah, uh. it's, it's it's not great. <laughs> um, even if it's communicating similar ideas in some ways, I don't, I don't like that it's being used like this. Yeah. It's... But there's... I'm not, I'm not going to play devil's advocate, but I will say that the intent of this is to communicate a extremely painful mental state... And yeah. sometimes the only way that one feels that one is able to do that is by having these kinds of shocking or outlandish or otherwise, you know, try and 
freak people out with it kind of statements. I don't think it's yeah, appropriate, sure. but I also haven't been in the kind of place that Eddie Vedder has been in. Um, mm-hmm. So I a lot of stuff to unpack with that. Obviously, I prefer the points on this album where he does it through traditional songwriting, but I also understand that that's not the way that you can always communicate this kind of thought. So. Yeah. Yep. Well, it's it's interesting at the very least. Yeah. Uh, despite really, any implications. Really heavy and again, really challenging kind of closer. But yeah, it it is about seven minutes long as well. Yeah. Oh God, this takes forever. And like. Yeah. Emotional problems notwithstanding, guys, this is seven minutes long. <laughs> it it's almost like they're telling you like, okay, the record's over now. Turn it off. Yeah, yeah, you can. <laughs> it's it's okay to turn this off, but then if you stick around for long enough, you get like the actual message. Because there's there's like the first three minutes of this are are taking the sample of this person, you know, either reveling in or hating this mop. So like, yeah, that's I think that's supposed to be like, hey guys, you can turn it off now. Turn it off, real turn. Really, you can turn it off. And then if you get past that, it's like, guys, I'm still not doing good. And yeah, I mean, there's that's a layer to unpack. Um, yep. Now knowing what I know, Eddie Vedder seems to be doing a lot better than he was on this album. So I feel a little bit more okay critiquing modern day Eddie Vedder and saying, hey man, that you know, that's probably not as good. <laughs> But yeah. if someone if someone were to produce this kind of album today and use it as an expression of what they are thinking right now, I I'd have a lot of trouble critiquing it, I guess. Yeah. So yeah. Well really that's heavy the note album. to end the album on. <laughs> um but like uh. this is this is one of the reasons why I really like this album, is that there it's really heavy in a personal way that like there's not a whole lot of other bands that can have this intersection of being able to communicate these problems and also, like, having these problems. No, the Pearl Jam was definitely a, a special thing to have happened. <laughs> yeah. Uh, very good music. And I'll, I'll end this on a bit of a lighter note. This album was a surprise for me back when I first listened to it because uh, this is one of the albums that I actually picked up and bought a CD of. Because I would keep going into Target and Walmart around where I lived, and I would see this really weird standout CD a- album. Basically, it would it's wrapped in plastic, but not like the normal shrink wrap. It, w- it was it was weird because mm, that's the, weird. the the album itself isn't in like a a paper case or a, one of the plastic jewel cases. It's in this weird wallet material leather. It, it's leather, but not quite. Uh-oh. And it's it had this huh. like gold. It was a re-release, obviously, because I this was when I was oh. you know yeah a little bit older. Um, mm-hmm. And I I would see not it every one time. years old right yeah <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I would see this in the store every once in a while. I'd be like, huh, this is really weird. And I'd turn it over and just like have it in my hands and be like, this this feels different. This feels like it's got a weird weight to it. Um, and then I'd put it back because I was like, I, I it didn't have any labels on it other than the word Vitalogy on the front cover. And then at some point, I learned that Vitalogy was by Pearl Jam, and I was like, okay, I gotta gotta go check this out. Because I had listened to 10 back and forward, you know, a dozen times at least, and it's it's an amazing album. So eventually, I went and purchased this not-quite-collector's item of an album, and I was (laughs) expecting, you know, rock and roll uh, after a sort. Arena rock, I guess. Harder rock. Maybe more 90s alternative rock. But... 
Yep. Something pretty straightforward. And then I put it on, and, like, last exit and spin the black circle, I was like, okay, I, yeah, I can I can do this. And then by the time that I get to, like, the middle of it, I'm like, what <laughs> is this? <laughs> this That's is, awesome. This is amazing. <laughs> like, this, this was one of the albums that first got me to dip my toe into the end of, like, what what weird rock and roll could be like what what kinds of complex emotions you can express through the kind of music that i was already listening to and even like bending that until it nearly breaks so yeah i'm really glad that this is the first like album that i've listened to all the way through because in a really weird way this uh, this hasn't been one of my favorite albums it's not been the one that i go back to every once in a while when i really need to pick me up or something but it was one of the things that got me to a lot of the albums that are that. It's one of the albums that told me that rock and roll and rock music could get weird and personal like this. And f- since then, I've listened to a lot of really good music. I think for me, that was uh, In the Aeroplane Over the Sea. By oh, Neutral yeah, Hotel. yeah. That was pretty formative for me, although I have a much different opinion of it now. But that's <laughs> whatever, but <laughs> I still think it's good. Yeah, um, yeah, but but yeah, that's that's awesome that this album got you thinking harder, you know. <laughs> yeah, and I I do like that both of these albums have kind of done that this episode, where it's it's mm. stuff that I've kind of heard before, but at the same time, it's pushing me to to get out there, go try it, figure it out, find this stuff where it lives. And I can't wait to review another Pearl Jam album way later on. Yeah. Uh, when when what when was it? Uh, at number 209, which oh, is wow, quite a ways yeah. off. But, and, you know, we'll fucking review an Earth, Wind, and Fire album someday. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, f- <laughs> we'll find the time. Don't you worry about yes. that. And when we do, you can hear that and any other episodes of this show on opalnebula.com. New episodes drop Wednesdays. And next time, we'll be reviewing All the Young Dudes by Martha Hoople and... Entertainment by Gang of Four, which is another one I've already heard, so hooray. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. I, I've barely heard either of these, so yep. we'll see. Cool. Join us next time. Tell us what you think. Bye. Bye.